Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 154 of the Double Density Podcast with your host, Brian Angelo. Double Density is your home to tech tales and paranormal primers. Now, first things first, Angelo, uh, I am scared to tell you this. We uh, um, are heading towards December. Yeah. We're heading towards the end of the year, and then when the calendar flips, it's going to be a happy new year for you. Oh, again, 2020 wasn't much of a happy new year. I guess the new year was, no. was happy, and then a few months later, it just all went exactly. downhill. Well, I've told you my whole problem is I think I accidentally caused this year to happen to Splinter because we spent New Year's Eve into New Year's Day overnight um, on Twitch getting uh, IRL streamers to do random things. So I think that this is, is all my doing. I remember talking about that. Although, look, 2020 in terms of obtaining things hasn't been too bad for you. You got a new Mac. Um, I did. Yeah, but I mean, that was more out of necessity than anything else. That's true. Because I, I wanted to stay gainfully employed. Because of course, then 2020 flips the script on you and Apple a few weeks later comes out with a way better version of your Mac for the same yes, price. So I can't really win. I can't really win. But hey, I'll take it. Um, so speaking of that, I, I've warned my wife, I've become a capital G gamer. And I think last episode I mentioned I started playing Stardew Valley and then there's a recent Steam sale. So I picked up uh, Borderlands 2. I picked up Alien Isolation. I picked up uh, Undertale. There's like a bunch of games that I picked up, and I also just um, ordered a uh, a non Microsoft Xbox One uh, USB uh, controller to play these games. Look at you! You're just a regular old gamer. You're gonna have a Twitch channel soon. Yeah, I'm gonna start yelling at things. It's gonna be it's gonna be the best, Angelo. Streaming the games. I'm gonna have catchphrase. I'm gonna go. I'm I'm gonna go deep on this, and I want you to come join me on my adventure as I enter. Uh, you know, uh, Twitch. Uh, history. Would my catchphrase be get off my lawn? Yeah, the irate, the irate over the hill gamer. Yeah. I, I keep looking at the show notes and the first thing on the show notes says Brian updated his Mac to Big Sur, but I can't stop seeing it as Big Mac. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I updated my Mac to Big Mac status. Yeah. Yeah, no, I updated to Big Sur. The biggest change, of course, is all the different, um, the way that the, 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 I mean, aesthetically, the way that the windows are, are framed and shaped, the, the text, everything, like, it's, it's taken a little bit to get used to in terms of uh, visually. Um, I haven't had any problems at all yet. I've heard it's a little more spaced out, and people think because of that, it's primed and ready for touch interface Max. But recently, Craig Federighi was in a interview. He's the head of software at the, the uh, Big Mac Apple. And he uh, he said, no, well, we didn't even think about that, which I'm not sure is true. I don't know if it's true or not, but I definitely do feel like it's just going towards a more um, uh, a modern design aesthetic where it is more minimalist, more spaced out, kind of like gives room to breathe. So I don't know if it's necessarily either driven by eventual advancements or driven by sort of like a, a design standards and aesthetic standards that are currently in place, you know, across the, the market when it comes to sort of like either be an OS or a website or any sort of like digital um, hardware or software. It's looking more like iOS, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I'm, I'm not mad about it. When are you planning on updating? I'm a little nervous because my Mac's a little older than yours. It's a five-year-old iMac, which I guess it still runs really well, right? I, I don't see well, you've why. Made the, you've made the jump to at least Catalina, right? I'm on Catalina now, yes. Uh, so okay. I, I, Catalina was a bigger jump in terms of uh, background things because uh, 32-bit applications stopped working, I believe. So now everything's 64-bit, like the Nintendo 64. <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned that because um, so I am doing all of my gaming on my Mac and a lot of games are 32-bit on there, so I can't buy them. Oh, Huh. Yeah, because they, they haven't been updated in X amount of time because I wanted to buy the Half-Life collection. I wanted to buy Portal. And, and you know, because they're, they're only 32-bit, I can't run them on my computer. Well, that sucks. 
I mean, like, listen, like, I'm still going to manage. Yeah. I'll still deal <laughs> somehow. I mean, some your, way. your Mac is not a gaming machine. There are other things to be gaming on. Um, but uh, look, you may have inspired me, though. I may update to Big Sur rather, sooner rather than later because Catalina, I waited well into 2020 before updating. Well, you're not using any apps or you're not running any processes that I'm not running necessarily, right? That I can't see there being big problems with. No, I mean, we're both using Skype right now. I use um, Audio Hijack instead of GarageBand, but Audio Hijack has been updated. It's it's Rogue Amoeba, so they're always on top of these things. Yeah, I really don't see any any big changes for you. I would suggest doing it, and then I'd love to hear your thoughts about it either on the podcast or, as is the case a lot of the time, is random small bursts of text throughout the day, which I really enjoy getting. Oh, I'm, that's what I'm here to do. I may, I may uh, instead of um, starting the edit on this episode after we record, I may just uh, start the update process. We'll see. I don't know. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see, like the uh, current United States president said. <laughs> <laughs> wait and see uh, most like like most of 20 speaking of waiting and seeing though uh I, the other reason i'm calling myself a capital g gamer is between last episode and this episode i've been putting money away for a switch finally which i managed to order it finally shipped yesterday afternoon like i was saying a week and a half after ordering it and so i'm definitely uh, becoming uh you know uh, a capital g gamer i'm getting mario kart i'm getting mario maker 2 great games i don't have mario kart on the switch we have it on the wii u but uh, a similar game, I think it's a little bit even better on the Switch because it was, uh, I think it's called Mario Kart 8 Deluxe on the Switch. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the Switch, let me tell you, is a great piece of hardware. I, yeah, I, I also like ordered a, a, a gamepad for it. Yeah, the, the Pro Controller? Yeah, well, I, I ordered an officially licensed Pro Controller that's a Pikachu one. Oh, okay, yeah. As long as it's the official Nintendo Pro Controller, you're fine. It's just a different color. But uh, I think I feel that one's well-built. Uh, hopefully it doesn't have any, um, I was going to say audio drift, but that's a problem we with for <laughs> podcasting, but it, no uh, Joy-Con drift on it. Uh, so far, so good on ours. Uh, my kids have, have loved playing uh, Splatoon 2, which is uh, pretty cool. I haven't tried it yet. It's, uh, <laughs> I kind of get motion sick with it. So so you, t- you have to take breaks every 15 minutes? Yeah, I, well, I haven't even played it. So I, I've watched them play, which is fine. I think maybe it might be a, a thing, like, you know, sometimes you'll get car sick if you're not driving the car. Yes, absolutely. But if you're driving, you don't. So I think it might be that type of deal. I'm the same way with that. If I'm not the sea captain, I get sick on a boat, right? So so you always push uh, the captain aside whenever you go on a cruise. <laughs> yeah, no matter the situation, no matter what kind of boat, big or small, from pontoon to cruise ship, I'm always in charge of my mind. It makes me feel better. Are there any games you feel you're really looking forward to on the Switch? Are you going to get the best game ever, which is Zelda Breath of the Wild? I might, actually. I'm waiting for it to, to fall on sale again because uh, the, the the impetus for me getting the Switch was actually, one, it was in stock, and then two, uh, Nintendo was doing Black Friday sales, right? So I basically paid the same price for a regular Switch, but I got the Mario Kart 8 thrown in for free. Great. Yeah, Nintendo, unfortunately, rarely does any sales. Yeah, so that's why I also picked up Mario Maker 2 for 50 bucks. So the next time they do another sale where, you know, as Breath of the Wild will be like, you know, 50 bucks, I probably will pick it up. That's why I picked up Splatoon 2 and Mario Tennis Aces because they were $40 versus the normal $80 we pay for games here in Canada. Yeah, uh, it's funny though because I, I, someone was complaining about the price of games and I was like, well, listen, back in the day, like you and I can both attest to this, buying a Super Nintendo RPG was like 100 120 bucks. I paid over $90 in the early 90s or late 80s 
whenever it was out. I think it was early 90s, Mario Brothers 3 on the NES. Over $90 at Toys yeah, R Us. Yeah, it was $90. I remember yeah. seeing a flyer at Toys R Us. It was 90 bucks, right? I and, remember going know. and picking the little piece of paper out of the thing and then bringing it to the guy who was in the shelter of Nintendo games. <laughs> right. So that's how you bought it. It kind of felt like day. a pawn shop a bit. A little bit, yeah. Um, uh, Brian, by the way, speaking of good deals, uh, this isn't in the show notes because it's a recent development, but uh, I ordered another HomePod. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now you just, you love, like, give me your wallet and let's just burn okay. money together. The first HomePod I bought because I had birthday money. This HomePod, uh, <laughs> Apple's Black Friday sale uh, for most things is garbage. But for the HomePod here uh, in the Canada, you get a $140 gift certificate back which is a huge chunk of what the thing costs. So you've got HomePod minis coming. You've got HomePod. You, you're getting another HomePod. Like, what, what is the plan here? Okay, so this, I have a HomePod mini right in front of me now in the office. I have one in the kitchen. We have one wrapped up to be a Christmas present. And the second HomePod itself will be uh, going in the living room to be a stereo pair. Everything I've heard about HomePods, the HomePod itself sounds fantastic. If you put it with a stereo pair, it sounds more than twice as good. Like it's so, it's so a it's, huge it's a difference apparently. Yeah, it's it's a yeah, it's a combo breaker. <laughs> it's what a does huge your wife difference, have to say about this? I'm super curious. She rolled her eyes. Okay, well, yeah, that, that's to be expected. But does she feel like this is like too much now? She finds it annoying because they're on the TV stand, and she's like, "Now we're going to be back to having big speakers next to the TV." Because I used to have the boxy speakers next to the TV when we, ah, yes. we used to have a five point one surround sound upstairs, and we realized we never use it. So I, I brought it downstairs. I uh, and those were old school, like mid nineties speakers. But now I find the HomePod is not exactly that big. It's actually. You're, if you saw one in person, Brian, I don't know if you've ever seen one in person, you'd be surprised at how small the regular HomePod is and really shocked at how small the HomePod mini is. It's about as tall as your iPhone. You yeah, have an iPhone I, I mean, 11? I, I've seen pictures and I've seen unboxings and I've seen them in you know um, spaces on the internet that give me like a, 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 a relative idea of, of their size. Yeah, size-wise, they're about six and a half inches tall and five and a half inches like circular wide, uh, but there's a lot packed into them, so they weigh like over seven pounds. So you could use them as weights. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the HomePod minis are significantly smaller. Like they're, everybody who sees them says they're a lot smaller than they thought they would be. It's about, it's a little smaller than a softball. Okay. So I, I guess in this case, like the best case scenario is you, you stop ordering them. Worst case scenario is every room in the house, including the bathroom has one by twenty. You shouldn't put them in the bathroom. Too much moisture in the air. Okay. Well, I, I just mean like one to carry into the bathroom, though. Yeah. No, I think I think we're gonna reach our limit now. We're we're good. I if ever I have like a uh, hundred bucks burning a hole in my pocket, I'll buy a second one for my office, so I have a stereo pair in here. <laughs> Don't you already have monitors? Yes. I will tell you the music sounds better on the HomePod. Or have you been conditioned to do that? Maybe. No. It just it. It tunes the audio to be more for the music. I like the stereo monitors, though. Like they're great for rec- for recording and editing and stuff like that. Um, I use them all the time for editing, but for music, they're okay too. It's just I, I hate having my Mac running music for some reason. I, I don't like having the music app open in the background while I'm working. Oh, I don't mind. I don't know why. I are you just not liking the idea of having like apps open on your on your? Computer? Yeah, I'm like old school computing. I turn off my apps. Uh, I close. I turn off my apps like a light switch. <laughs> I close my apps when I'm done using them. A lot of people just leave them on. 
I don't. No, I don't do that. I'm very tidy in that way uh, in terms of resource management too. I just uh, it, it makes me laugh that you don't even want to turn on the music app. I know I'm weird. But see, you're like me though. Like you're unlike me, I should say, because for example, like I have bought stuff off Bandcamp that I can't listen to um, on Apple Music, for example, right? Yeah, and whereas I'm all in the Apple Music thing, I love Apple Music. It's great and it has everything I need. It's not perfect, uh, but none of the streaming services are perfect. The thing is with Apple Music is anything I have from before is in my Apple Music, right? So I have the uh, first and second Alanis Morissette albums that nobody else has. You know, which the ones Alanis ones? About? The ones yeah. where it just says Alanis Yeah, when she was yeah. like a pop star here in Canada. And I have those, and if I ask uh, my HomePod to play it, it will play it. Okay. So, I mean, the good news is, at least in that ecosystem, you get access to what you need. Uh, moving on from everything you needed, which you just mentioned, to everything you wanted, let's talk about Billie Eilish for a sec. I like Billie Eilish. Do you like Billie Eilish? I know you do. Yeah, she's I, great. I really, I really enjoy her music. Her new Huge single is great. And her brother's a great producer. Phineas is indeed a great producer. But uh, let us talk a big, uh, about a big milestone, shall we? Billie Eilish's uh, bad guy has reached a billion plays on YouTube. And what has happened? YouTube has teamed up with her in order to create a hub that allows you to skip through, uh, I, I think it's something like ten or 12,000 um, covers of, of Bad Guy, depending on your mood. Um, and basically what happens is that uh, this gets launched on a landing page or website, billy.withyoutube.com. So the original video gets played, and then uh, next to it, you'll get to see um, two larger videos. And then in the background, there's a ton of smaller ones. And as you click, it jumps to the exact same time code. So it seamlessly um, allows you to listen to the song being played um, in different iterations, depending on how you feel, right? So there's things like, uh, you know, you click on ukulele and then the ukulele cover takes up where the original went on. And so this is like an endless loop of Billie Eilish covers um, of, of Bad Guy. And I love the song, so it was really interesting to sort of like click around for about 15 minutes before I gave up. <laughs> well, YouTube knows what they're doing, I guess. For once in their lives, they've actually done something cool. Yeah. Uh, and then I mean, when, you, I, when you clicked on it, though, were there random conspiracy bad guy things? No, though that would be a good way to do it. I mean, there are a ton of parody videos. Uh, but then again, like YouTube is doing bad stuff too, right? So this isn't the show notes either. But, you know, they are running uh, pre-roll, mid-roll ads on videos uh, from channels that aren't partners now too, right? So, Well, I don't see ads on YouTube because I give them money. Right, but I'm saying like, because, yeah, because you're a, a Google shill. But what I'm saying is that like you love your overlords, you love your digital masters. To the rest of us, freedom fighters, uh, we have to suffer through ads. Yeah, I, I I sometimes will go on to YouTube where I'm not logged in, and I'm shocked by the ads. Shocked in like how many there are? How many there are, how terrible they are. Uh, we yes. see our friend Ty, whatever his name is, trying to sell me his Lamborghini <laughs> and his books, well, knowledge. So funnily that. enough, I sent you a video that sort of like a, a debunks a lot of the the sort of like the, yes. the self-made marketing guru. And the funny thing is the pre-roll and mid-roll ads were all about guys trying to get me to sign up to their uh, seminars to get me into the funnel to then sell me on a monthly plans of information that I need in order to become successful. Two words, drop shipping. Angelo, do you know what that is? No. Is that something from Halo? <laughs> no, basically it's the concept of you never having to touch the merchandise that you sell, right? So basically you set up a website that fulfills orders and then um, usually somewhere in Asia, what'll happen is that they fulfill the orders on your behalf and you take the majority of the money. It's like more advanced Amway. Essentially, but it also gives people what they want. 
True. Like Emily, is that like here's here's a kitchen knife you need versus like a, a t-shirt of a band you really like or like a mashup uh, you know t-shirt that you really like or something like that that uh, gets made sort of like uh, in the interim sort of like in the the middle you never have to see your product you only see the beginning and the end result. These uh, get rich quick schemes are pretty funny. I remember years and years ago somebody at work was trying to get me to sign up for Excel like long distance phone or something like that. And uh, her pitch was, this is supported by Donald Trump. Like, I mean, this is before Donald, we knew how terrible Donald Trump was. This is... Well, some of us have always known that he's terrible, right? Yes, he's always been garbage. But now, like, it's uh, to the forefront how garbagey he is. Correct. Uh, it's just uh, funny to sort of, like, uh, think about all these, like, different threads of MLMs, as well as, like, yeah, all these, like, self-made confidence guru guys selling you monthly plans. And you and I were talking about how we wanted to do a pivot on our podcast from uh, tech and paranormal to sort of like become like a business podcast. Cause I would love to watch you shill for yeah. like whatever we decide to like the, the, you know, the hit business plan and the HIT stands for something. MLM and podcast though, there was a podcast called the dream about MLMs and good podcast, highly recommended. So I take it. You might drop that in the show notes perhaps. Maybe if I remember. Uh, so two last things I've also, uh, because I've been stuck inside, like the rest of us have been, um, I've also uh, recently watched the Marvel eight part documentary series, uh, six one six, which is also the code for like their regular earth, uh, on Marvel over on Disney plus. I don't know if you watched it at all. I haven't yet. Is six one six a part of is, hmm, is the MCU in six one six or is it a separate universe? That, that in theory should be the six one six. Okay. So earth six one six is uh very, very confusing. And yeah, that's the main timeline there. Okay. I uh, I guess I should watch that. I'm Right now, I'm going through the Clone Wars because certain characters are appearing on The Mandalorian and I need to understand where they came from and what their motivations are. So my wife follows The Mandalorian subreddit and she's like, everyone's saying I should watch the Clone Wars. I guess I might have to. So, you know, getting a use out of that Disney Plus membership right there. Yes, and with the Clone Wars, I'm following the advice of many people and using a watch guide because those shows were aired out of order for some reason. Either apparently yeah. shows weren't ready on time or they just wanted to make it serialized. I'm following this list from Kotaku and uh, it's been great so far. So I, I kind of don't have to go through the, uh, let's say, not that they're boring, but episodes with people I'm not interested in, such as Jar Jar. No one cares about Jar Jar, except for that weird relationship advice subreddits um, post someone made about how they're, um, girlfriend is talking uh, like Jar Jar, and it's uh, actually not a joke at all. And uh, everyone kind of got to the consensus that it was made up, but I choose to believe that it's real. Me so sorry. <laughs> uh, last thing on the docket for the tech side of episode 154 is I linked you to an article from 2017, so it's a fast company article that every once in a while makes the rounds, and I never uh, seen it before um, until now, and I, I find it super interesting. So basically, it is a true random number generator, Angelo, done in a physical space. With lava lamps? Yeah. Really so, odd. Uh, Cloudflare, and they still do this, I check this out, but Cloudflare's um, San Francisco office has a wall of 100 lava lamps. And what happens is that there are um, uh, cameras in place taking pictures of every millisecond of the day. Um, and that's how they uh, create their encryption is by using um, these pictures in different kinds of ways uh, because you can't c- control what a lava lamp does in an IRL setting. No, because uh, it's random. Yeah, so it's wall of entropy turns photos into encryption, and then uh, what happens is that, it, and then obviously like it gets scanned into a system, and then like you get a random uh, set of numbers sort of uh, generated out there. So that's that's how they um, ensure that your files in Cloudflare are are, are safe. I um, do you ever use random number generators for anything? I mean, like, is rolling a dice? 
Well, I guess it's like four yeah. one to six. Yeah, I use them yeah. for card tricks. Okay, yeah. So, so yeah, when I I roll dice when I'm playing uh, on my other podcast or what, one of my two other podcasts, I should say now it's because I'm list of famous clearly podcasters. starting. Yeah, I'm s- clearly starting an empire here. But yeah, on the order of podcasters, uh, go check that out. By the way, uh, there is some dice rolling there, so I assume that, that that would count. And then you put them in order because that's what the name of the show is, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. I roll six dice and then put them in order because we're actually playing Yahtzee. We're not playing an RPG. So an RPG like uh, like the Secret of Mana. <laughs> sure. No, I, I've talked about this. We're playing uh, using the esoteric system, right? So it's a it's an interesting little mixture. There's not a ton of dice rolling on like D and D. And uh, yeah, it's kind of an enjoyable show. Fun, good personality. Kind of enjoyable. Thanks, Angelo. Uh, how is your podcast coming along about magic? Great. <laughs> so good, it disappeared. <sighs> And with that, my friend, let us move on over to the paranormal side of things. Uh, no, not move on over. Fly on over to oh, the paranormal side of things. Some foreshadowing. Welcome back to Double Density, and as always, we're switching gears from tech to the paranormal. This week, we have one thing and one thing only to discuss, Angela, and that is uh, a great reason to check the skies if you live in the Midwestern states uh, of the United States, which seems redundant to say, but whatever. Uh, The idea of great, giant, terrible birds just flying around even in 2020. Terror in the skies. Yeah, so this is another edition of Alien Cinema where uh, we watch a movie and uh, discuss it. And uh, obviously this is a uh, 70 minute documentary came out last year all about how there are great, terrible birds just flying around. Um, And part of the documentary, because you had made a joke a couple weeks ago about wondering what the Chicago Mothman was up to. So I kind of wanted to use this as an excuse to watch Terror in the Skies. Yeah. And I thought it was solely about the Chicago Mothman. And then I realized, no, this is about all kinds of uh, scary things flying around in the sky. Exactly. So the Chicago Mothman is but a tangent or the legacy of a, a tradition of larger birds um, stalking people um, uh, in the Midwest for what seems like centuries now. The director of the documentary, his name sounds really familiar. What else has he done? Seth Breedlove. Director Seth Breedlove um, actually has been on our friend Rob show, Our Strange Guys, RIP, uh, to talk about on the trail of UFOs. He's done, yeah, he did Terror in the Skies before this. He also uh, talked about the Flatwoods Monster. He's done a documentary about uh, Mothman, which we uh, love, uh, as well as the Boggy Creek Monster. So he's done a, a series of documentaries that have featured um, primarily cryptozoology um, um, subjects, not including the On the Trail of UFOs. So this documentary, Brian, what, what's it about, really? So really what it's about is a, a number of witness encounters uh, of people who have seen giant birds in places where they're not supposed to be, and they've discussed um, the size of the bird. Like, there is one witness who uh, comes across a cryptid uh, while driving uh, his car in the middle of the night, right? Yeah, there was some uh, good film footage of giant birds. Yes, there's Although also they just looked like really big birds to be nothing special. There's also really yeah, really bad CGI with the with the the car um, one. That was rough with the kid also being picked up. That yes, was, that the was kid being picked up cringy. didn't look great. No, that part was a little cringy because other than that, I was as I was watching the documentary, I felt it was really well produced and filmed. Some yeah, nice I, shots, I, nice drone shots. Yeah, there's a lot of really good drone shots. I thought the taking head segments, you know, despite the the 
inclusion of people like Lauren Coleman, like which we won't get into right now, but like I, I do feel like there was a lot here to, to nitpick because the whole idea is they're tying the lineage of the Chicago Mothman as like the newest incarnation of a centuries long um, situation that is part of a uh, Native American tradition, I guess would be the best way of putting it. Uh, they talked about the diversity in Illinois, how it's not just Chicago, right? Like we as Canadians from outside Illinois and the United States really just, you know, it's Chicago, Illinois. That's what we think about, right? So to ask you the first serious question, I guess, about all this, like having watched this 70 minute documentary, having heard these wisdom accounts, do you believe in the phenomenon of, of these giant birds of, you know, thunderbirds of, of, uh, you know, terrible birds? I just think they're really big birds. Um, like the turkey vultures and things like that. Like I'll, I'll, I'll see really huge birds around here. I was actually shocked when I moved here because, you know, I was used to living in Montreal. There aren't many giant birds in Montreal. I now live near a mountain that, that is home to falcons and turkey vultures. And uh, there's great blue herons that fly overhead sometimes. Have you ever seen one in person? A heron, yes. They're huge. They're, when yeah. we we saw one on the roof of our neighbor's house, and we could not figure out what it was. At one point, we thought it was a pelican. Then I realized, no, there are no pelicans in Quebec because they would die. <laughs> yeah, no, the herons actually um, they were nesting for a while down by the St. Lawrence River near where I grew up. So you'd be able to like walk the five minutes down to the the waterfront and see them. They're huge. Yeah, birds with with big wingspans can sometimes look even bigger than they really are. But to pick up a child, though, like, do any of the birds you see, like, could they pick up any of your kids? No, uh, but uh, maybe a, a, a giant turkey vulture could, or uh, a condor. Are there condors, though, in, in, in Illinois? I don't think so, right? No. Birds can be big. Birds can pick people up. The, I, I saw an eagle once at a bird sanctuary. I did not realize how big eagles were. Did it try to pick you up? No. No, no, because it was, it was actually a young eagle, so a young one was gigantic, so I can't imagine how big a actual eagle is. Did I send you that video a couple of weeks ago of like when Donald Trump was uh, running his campaign and he tried to take a picture with an yes, eagle? Yes, I've seen that, though. You didn't send it to me, but I've seen it, and it was pretty funny because he was not pleased to be holding this eagle. So here's my thought on on the Thunderbird, on you know giant birds. I think they might be real based on one simple fact, Angelo. Birds are dicks. Yeah, they can be. Yeah, have like, you been attacked by crows before? Because they can attack. I have not been attacked uh, by crows yet, but I have dealt with flocks of geese. Oh, geese can be real jerks too. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, even so, I, I do believe that to take the step from here to there, like to say that these giant birds exist, I I don't disagree with that notion. I mean, like, obviously, we can get into sort of like the practicality of it in terms of like, okay, so if these birds. Uh, have been around for centuries like where are the carcasses where are the bones yeah that, but that's the same excuse we can have for any crypto zoological yeah and i think animal. we've talked about this with bigfoot and you know we've talked about this with with other yeah with other cryptids you know uh, to me until i see like a, a fully formed skeleton like for example like a lot of people say the missing link or, or bigfoot or you know any type of like a two-legged cryptid stashes the bones so that they don't become aware or they live in a pocket dimension or something like that, right? I'm not too averse to thinking that these birds exist. I just don't think they have supernatural powers. I also don't think they're in as large numbers as we'd like to think they are. No, and birds are well known for not having huge numbers. We have peregrine falcons here that are protected because their numbers are dwindling. Also owls, Brian. <laughs> oh yeah, let's just, let's just go ahead and throw the owl in there. 
Okay, so here is my thought. So, you know, um, it's an interesting Native American tradition. I, I do find um, a lot of the stories centered around cryptids um, in that milieu are super, super cool. Um, do I believe that at one point they may have existed in very small numbers hundreds of years ago? Sure. I mean, the thing is, like, we haven't explored 100% of the Earth. Like, we only know, what, like 12% of what the ocean floor really holds for us? Yes, but, I mean, did they clap thunder from their wings? No, maybe their wings were really loud and it sounded like thunder. Right. Uh, perhaps there is uh, that too. But my other uh, bigger issue apart from the carcasses is let us fast forward, right? So basically we go um, through the 19th, 20th, get to the 21st century, 2011, 2012, 17, 18, even 19, Chicago Mothman, right? Yeah. So in the documentary, there have been 70 eyewitnesses, no video? Of course not. It's not like anybody has a camera with them, Brian. Oh, wait. <laughs> And because that's my the problem. thing that got me is there's that guy who filmed those Thunderbirds in the 70s and 80s on film, and that's really well shot. And it shows that they're not really anything special. They're just really big birds. But where is all this footage of the Mothman? The one that, I mean, the guy in the car where I come up right next to him, obviously he's not going to pull out his phone, but too bad it wasn't in Russia where he would have had a dash cam. <laughs> Everyone's dash cam, yeah, exactly. And that's the the issue for me too, is that like, okay, like I'm willing to believe eyewitnesses, but if you have, let's say like even 10%, right? So like, let's say like, let's take 70 people, mm-hmm. seven of them had credible sightings that made sense, that they are good witnesses, they're trained eyewitnesses, they know what to look for, they know what to report. Any kind of circumstantial evidence at all would 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 do okay for me. So there's nothing, right? No images or anything. Of nothing. Any Mothman ever? No. I mean, the Point Pleasant Mothman kind of makes sense when. I mean, uh, that was a couple. The, the Point Pleasant one was more alien than anything else, practically, right? It was really linked to UFOs. Right, but what I am saying with that though is that uh, uh, more so. In the 60s, they didn't have access to cameras the way that we do. This is more so what I'm saying. So it's more forgivable back then of than it is now when everyone can be able to do that. Unless, of course, you like to, I, I, I'm going to use my my sort of yeah, like my standby with this. Just say, yeah. just say, you know, like you can't film them. They're on a different uh, wavelength or spectrum. Yeah. And they invented the iPhone. They know how to circumvent it. <laughs> yes. The, 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 the winged cryptids, along with the saucer people, got together. Yeah. No, no. I don't know what to tell you, Brian. I don't think it's anything. Um, I don't think there's anything there with the Chicago Mothman. It's just one person kind of started it and then people started seeing things that weren't actually there. I, maybe it is just, uh, you know, jetpacks. Jetpacks? Like, we've been seeing people on jetpacks apparently recently, haven't we? Yeah, there's been a bunch of people on jetpacks. Uh, now, the, the, mo- the, the Mothman placed that monolith in Utah. <laughs> well, they, they disproved that the monolith was old, right? It's land art, isn't it? Basically, it's some it's some artist put it there, probably. Yeah, apparently, sometime in either 2015 or 2016, uh, based on Google Earth pictures, uh, the the monolith was was placed there. There, we saw that mystery. But back to the Chicago Mothman. Also, the Chicago Mothman, he was supposed to bring bearings of bad news, right? That's usually what the Mothman does. Now, obviously, two years later, everything sucks. But uh, shouldn't it be more immediate than when? it was seen instead of like years later. Cause we haven't seen the Mothman in a while, right? No, uh, he has, there, there have not been any credible sightings in a, in a while. I mean, the last official sighting I think was in 2018. Yeah. Yeah. Since then, I mean, there was, the, and I've searched a bit for this. There've been spurious reports, but people said they're not sure what it was. So they don't want to attribute it to the Mothman if it actually isn't the Mothman, but you know, I found the bird stuff more interesting than the Mothman thing. I, I yeah. went into this documentary wanting to, know more about the Chicago Mothman and I left it wanting to know more about Thunderbirds and I love like Native American traditions and uh, myths they're so interesting 
I agree. And it's interesting how they tie they tie uh, man into nature, into the animal world too. I find the the encapsulation of a lot of their their myths and their stories super super interesting. Um, so it was really interesting to see the the painted um, uh, giant bird right on the side of the rocks. Yeah, and people saw things and they sought a way to explain it. Yeah, and I mean that's just that's just human nature, and we've discussed this a lot of time, especially when it comes to UFO stuff. Is the idea of trying to contextualize when you see something that isn't of uh, a normal nature, and uh, seeing a weird flying man-like thing with red eyes isn't of a normal nature usually. No, <laughs> no. I mean, like I have a ton of other questions too. Uh, that sort of like relate to any kind of crypto, right? So, for example, like if there are these giant birds, if there are thunderbirds out there, what do they subsist on? And, you know, how do they hide what they collect? So, for example, like, let's talk about um, another uh, cryptid, um, the chupacabra, right? So the chupacabra, the idea that, like, uh, there have been goats and cows and other things like that who's had their, their blood drained. There's physical evidence there that something is going on versus this. We haven't seen it, any of these these um, giant birds kind of like uh, what their nutritional sort of like. Uh, what if, what if, Brian, tying it into another uh, documentary of these types, it's eating the missing people that they keep talking about. <laughs> so, right. So we're tying missing forward one, one into, into this. Do you want to email David Politius or should I uh, go for it? You're, you're the, uh, the PR guy. Yeah, you really are. But yeah, I, I, I've come to sort of like think about this in very practical terms. Cause I, once again, we love the story aspect of it, but then once you really start to dig into that, like all beings need sustenance. I mean, these birds aren't breatharians, right? No, they're maybe trying to eat children. Right. That's apparently that's their thing. They, they steal kids from playgrounds, which is weird to me because I'd go for the, f- the, the larger adult sized person because but you, you get can't more there. pick it up, Brian. They're too heavy. Well, maybe these giant birds should learn how to make nets or sacks or steal them. Mm-hmm, maybe <laughs> now we're just going off in the wrong direction. I, I don't think there's anything other than just really big birds here. No supernatural powers, nothing of that nature. Mothman definitely doesn't exist in Chicago. He's just, they just saw something. It could have been people pranking others. It could have been misidentification. I I really doubt that story of the guy who was driving and this guy started running up next to him and then flew off. That just sounds way too far-fetched. So to me then in that case. Pixar so- didn't happen. <laughs> So to ask you then, like, so for example, like when you take the the Point Pleasant Mothman, the the classic Mothman versus a lot of these other cryptids, like you're more inclined to believe that story because of the physical evidence, right? I think there's just a tragedy in Point Pleasant and people tried to explain it in one way or another. I don't think there were actual Mothman sightings that were real. It's just something that the people kind of used to tie into this horrible tragedy they had to deal with. But what I'm saying is on the scale of whether or not you choose to believe this, like Chicago Mothman versus classic Mothman. I mean, they're both pretty low on the scale of believability to me. So I, I'd say, I'd say Chicago Mothman less though, because it's the 21st century. We have cameras on us all the time. Somebody needs to take a picture of this thing or not, because it just, it's just hearsay at this point. Whereas like you said, in the sixties, it's kind of hard to take pictures of these things. I mean, it was harder also like, uh, it was harder to, 
create fakes versus now like I could just Photoshop, change the exif data and sort of like say, hey, look, this is what, and this is a larger conversation to have about how easy it is to to fake anything um, supernatural related in the 21st century. Of like course. you and I could put together a fake and sort of like probably make it pretty convincing, come up with the lore behind it, sort of like place the lore in various parts of the internet and sort of like tie together a cohesive narrative of something that we've created versus like in the 60s, it was much harder to um, uh, pull this off. I mean, yes, I know you could still physically create something and like throw it in the air. Like how many fake UFO pictures exist from, from the 50s, 60s and 70s, yeah. even just the 80s that are just that, like people throwing stuff into the air. Yeah, exactly. No, I don't think there's anything that we would be able to prove uh, because like you said, we can just fake something and say, here, look, here's our proof, but you can't prove anything with that. You also can't fake a giant bird. No. On the other side of things, right? Yeah, you have to take a picture of it next to a HomePod to be able to see how big it is. <laughs> I feel like that perfectly encapsulates uh, uh, tying the episode together with a neat bow. Kind of like the holidays, we're gearing up for everything, right? Yeah, I don't know if we'll all get be able to get together. There's a plan to for people to be able to see each other a couple of days in uh, in December. I don't know if that's even going to happen, but hopefully it does. It'd be nice to see people that I haven't seen in a while. I have no desire to see you. I already saw you once this year. You did? I did. My, in my In my front yard. Yeah, and now you want and to live into yelled at you and told you to get off my lawn. <laughs> Ladies and gents, this is Over the Hill Gamer uh, signing off here, Angela, right? I guess it's time to sign off, uh, get off my lawn. I'm going to yell at a cloud and I'm going to hold a Nintendo Switch upside down. If uh, so, just to backtrack a bit, if anyone has any really uh, good gaming suggestions for um, Steam on the Mac, you can hit me up at uh, Brian Hasty, Brian with an I, over on Twitter. If not, you can find us over uh, to double underscore density, and you can find Angela over on Twitter at Angela Furin. You can also hit up doubledensity.net to get uh, all the newest episodes, read the show notes, and uh, get a better idea of who we are and what we're up to. And you can also find us on Instagram at uh, Double Density Podcast. Yeah, uh, I'm using Twitter right more now. and more lately. Yeah, good. Welcome back to the fold, my friend. Yeah, I'm not tweeting, but I'm just reading and then you're maybe just, answering you're passive. people. Yeah, I'll talk to people sometimes. It's fun. <laughs> I like how that's your level of inclusiveness here. Whereas like I'm using the show account to, to fight um, um, people who decided to make, make Canada great again, a thing. Yeah. It's fine now. Apparently our podcast account is a troll account, according to, to some random dude in Ottawa. So our podcast account. Yeah. He called, he called uh, cause uh, he blocked me on mine uh, instead of like actually discussing what I had to tell him. And so I used the podcast account to do that. And then he called us a troll account. Yeah. He said, stop using your troll account blocked. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. So ironically enough, he is the uh, snowflake cock, not, uh, not to me. Nope. <laughs> and with that, Angelo, this is it for episode 154 of Double Density Podcast. Tune in next week as we decide to take to the skies and see what other wonders of the world exist. Try not to get carried away by a giant bird, Brian. Or carried away in general. Okay. This is Capital G Gamer signing off. See ya. <laughs>